Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective, or for one week only, the Squidge Bag of Shit retrospective, <laughs> where we will be celebrating, diving into an utter, utter sack of turds that was Romania's game against Georgia from 2011. I'm joined as ever by Mr. William Owen, am I not? Yeah, I guess you are. I decided still to turn up rather than saying, yeah. oh yeah, I'll... <laughs> I'll record with you and then just, you know, pull a sickie or whatever. I wouldn't have blamed you. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have blamed you at all. It was certainly a game, wasn't it? Like... Yeah. This, is, it, is this going to be... Because, I mean, it's a funny one. This week is, of course, the week of people claiming that rugby is shit now. Um, yeah. And... I did think about this the whole yeah, way I was watching the game. Because it was a bit like, I don't want to moan about rugby. I'm so sick of the, the Jiffies and the Stephen Joneses, yeah. the the... the, the thousand million awards Stephen Jones rather yeah. than where was attack coach and loveliest man on the earth yeah. other than Blaine Scully and, and Brian Habana but <laughs> I did and Tyler Arjong and Tyler Arjong yeah um, the list is building isn't it yeah. they're like eighth loveliest man in the world uh, the loveliest man in West Wales but I did find myself just thinking this is really bad yeah this is a really bad game of rugby we've got to talk about it and put it out this week on that's the thing it's really bad timing that the stars have aligned perfectly yeah. for us to talk about this game in the week where, oh. where everyone is just so wrongly going oh rugby shit now and i suppose yeah if if anything let's try and put it this way this game is proof that rugby is so much better now than it was in 2011 yeah. well, it was like watching a game in the 70s. Yeah. It felt really, really 70s. It felt really old school in that the skill levels were low. Yeah. Scrums took on, you know, quite a big importance, but weren't deciding games. Yeah. No one was doing anything. No one was aiming where they were kicking. No one could take high balls. It was... No one could kick goals. Yeah. You know, it was... Oh, man. It was a bit like... Like... You, <laughs> it's like they were looking around this pool, right? And... They kind of went, and we said when we watched it, there's no way any game in this World Cup can be worse than England against Argentina from that opening hold round. Hold my beer. And then, well, I was going to, exactly. Romania and Georgia went, hold my absinthe. Wait, no, I'll down it instead, then play 80 minutes of rugby. Yeah. Because they, did, they didn't look sober. Not in a Marty <laughs> Banks kind of way either. No, in a we're going to be unable to stand. Yeah. There was no hand-eye coordination. There was no actual accurate skill set. It was bad. <laughs> so bad. And that's the thing, like, at least now when... Because, like, shit games of rugby still happen. You're not, like, yeah, we're yeah. not here to deny... I'm aware that this episode might just turn into a big rant about how much of a fucking idiot Stephen Dork... Uh, Stephen... Stephen Dork. Stephen Dork. Stephen Dork, I was about to say. Stephen Jones... <laughs> He is dork. a dork. He's a dork, to be fair. I don't know why the word dork came into my head, but... You just thought of him and you just thought, what's the first word? <laughs> Stephen what, Dork. Um, <laughs> Stephen Dork. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I'm aware that this might just turn into a big rant about how much of an idiot Stephen Jones is, but... How big a Jones Stephen Dork is. Yeah, but <laughs> I've completely forgotten my point because I just can't believe that the word dork has found its way into this podcast. No, but like, okay... Like the the game Austin Healy, I had a conversation with Austin Healy on on Twitter on yeah. Saturday morning about basically he went that Newcastle uh, sale game from the previous night was a load of shit and I went no actually there were interesting things happening just you weren't talking about them yeah and then he didn't reply uh, and then someone else replied that saying Austin Healy you're a... well someone else then said Austin Healy you're a twat uh, and then he said that's childish of you to say that and by the way the game was a bag of shit and I then replied saying like the game wasn't a bag of shit because of this point I made then Austin Healy didn't reply again right which is clearly like I had this brief exchange with Josh Gardner of the Blood and Mud podcast yeah. 
where it was like it was amazing i managed to shot shirt austin healy up i'm the first person to ever manage it yeah and he was saying it josh was saying it took him three days before austin healy blocked him <laughs> of them going back and forth whereas me he just went oh no i can't reply to that i have a mixed stance on austin healy because like it's easy yeah, to yeah, call no, him a twat and i don't way. think it's, it's yeah. that simple i think he plays a character which he does very well and to be honest absolutely. i actually enjoy absolutely. the character he plays like it's yeah, not yeah. just a case of going like, oh i respect what he's doing but he is also a twat because like a lot of yeah. people are and frankly Frankly, I think Stephen Jones is kind of like that because I think he knows that he knows nothing about rugby and gets a I kick out think... of being controversial. And like, for example, there's another host of another rugby podcast that we're aware of oh. who would say like, we're aware. I'm not going to name the guy's name. No, but and I don't know the guy knows who we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, like I've never had really exchanges with the guy except, you know, in oh, your you wait till Christmas. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but usually the only times I've ever spoken with this guy will be brief things on the end of arguments he's having with you. However, that guy is clearly playing a character because it's his way of trying to remain relevant in the world of broadcasting. Which is funny that I'm saying that, but, you know. (laughs) Regardless, I think, yeah, Austin Healy's very good at, you know, that sort of thing that he does. And he does wind people up. But I, I do think that... Aside from the game on Friday, the Newcastle Sale game, which, as we mm. say, wasn't nearly as bad as people were making out, and those, no, and I guess this is the point I was making earlier. But like Austin, he- there's so many rugby pundits these days and commentators who just clearly aren't quite following where it's going. They understand yeah, that it's yeah. changing, but they haven't sort of figured out the the small things about why. Yeah. Austin Healy's not one of those because Austin Healy does no. know what's going on, and it's that's why I was so disappointed to see him chatting so much shit about that game on Friday. I think. Austin Healy is following attack analysis really closely. Yes. And so he's very good on that, he, but he, he isn't really following is. defence or kicking. Yeah. Whereas I think someone like Ugo Monu and Justin Marshall, I hold, are excellent pundits. Sure. Uh, and not, you know, I've spoken to Ugo a few times, I made slightly biased on that because he is lovely and he said he loves yeah. our mum. But but they both clearly follow what's going on and they do keep up with kind of tactics and analysis yeah. and so on and so forth and what's changing and what's happening. Austin Healy, there's a few that have to do it selectively. And there's there's plenty that just fallen completely behind. There's some, you know, like I think as a whole, Dylan Hartley and Sam Warburton are both excellent pundits, but yeah. they've retired recently, yeah. so they're clearly they're still up on what's going on, yeah. you know. And it's kind of it's too early to say if they've kept up, but they're they're really good pundits at the minute. And I think that the Austin Healy is up there with the best sort of uh, analysts of first phase attack or whatever, or, yeah. not even necessarily first phase, but I guess attack over one or two phases rather than a multitude of seven plus phases. I suppose is my sure. point, but I, I think that I think that the at the minute, right? I just say Sam Warburton's one pundit name dropper is just a really good, yeah. you know, just a pundit for everything he does because he's great. Yes, but I think in terms of attack pundits, like I think Nolly Waterman is the best. Nolly Waterman's fantastic. Yeah. And like, it's not always over just one or two phases is the point. And like, maybe like she might not be able to analyze a set play as well as Austin Healy would. uh, And that's fine. But she'll be able to analyze the structure of an entire attack better than basically any other pundit that is currently doing mainstream rugby punditry. And that's why you have multiple pundits, you know, yeah. you get on, like, it's a, the thing David Flatman's carved out a real niche for is he's the pundit who can explain scrummaging to the, the average Joe watching yeah, rugby every sure. now and again. He's really good at it, yeah. you know? And again, the, 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 that's kind of the, that should be the makeup of a panel, you know? We probably do need more props yeah. who are able to do so, you know? I, th- I remember Mike Ross saying what he wanted to do when he retired was to, uh, I think he now runs like a like an internet um like a broadband thing mm-hmm. storage solution or something but he said he wanted to be like an equivalent of a tmo the guy in the referee's ear who would feed back what was going on at the scrum oh that's interesting and he wanted to add that and he wanted to do that yeah. uh, and obviously that hasn't happened yeah but yeah it's uh i would move us back onto the game we're supposed to be talking about i but... just have to quickly wrap up my point that i was making about please, that please. that newcastle sale game because yes um, as i say like there are and if we if we pretend that this was a really shit game, like people are saying it was, like if mm. there, there, as I say, there are such a thing as really bad games of rugby that happen these days. Like I'm not going to deny that, but at yeah, least yeah. you can see what both teams are trying to achieve because yeah. there is such a set structure in attack and defence, and such a sort of competitive nature and skill level which is higher than it was. 10 years ago i know the competitive nature yeah. is one thing that's always existed in sport since the dawn of time but it's mm. there's a different sort of application of that and approach to that yeah. and it will be different in 10 years you know that's one yes. thing that will always fluctuate because 
it's a, it's a way of exploiting how other people are playing a game naturally and that happens probably in all sports rather than just rugby but yeah. with a game like this to bring it back round to mm. Georgia versus Romania 2011 it's much more difficult to see something like that because both teams are just sort of they have a very simple game plan of sending one up runners and rucking yeah. over keeping the ball and then kick it if you're in your own half and hope for the best yeah it's really old school yeah. as you say there's not really a 2011 was kind of this transition point, as we said before, yeah. between what rugby is now in that it's very coach-focused yeah. and there's an awful lot on a designed game plan. Yeah. And what it was... That was kind of there in 2007 and 2003, but it wasn't as vital. You could get away with playing more off the cuff. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, it's kind of... These two teams are not up to the standard no. and i do i think there's a part of it and this is why i think rugby will continue to get better and better and better in terms of standards at least sure. you know, what it can produce as a product that you look at the current crop of players and they've all been professional since they're about 16 17 yeah you look at the like the 2003 world cup teams they turned professional in their mid-20s yeah. when rugby went professional you look at teams in this world cup and they probably went professional around 18 19 yeah. when they got picked up by a senior team having played age grade rugby until like, makes a big difference yeah and there's this thing, it's it's kind of awful, the talk of um, like Rupini Kaukau's son uh, having offers from clubs age 11. Yeah. And that's starting to happen in rugby. Yeah. You know, we're starting to see more and more players being brought in younger and younger and younger. And um, like, it's happened in football for ages, hasn't it? Like, yeah. I can remember reading an article about five years ago about there being like an eight-year-old boy with no feet got signed by Barcelona <laughs> for like right. a massive deal. Yeah. And... I mean, naturally, it's going to happen in sport if you see somebody get... But I suppose there will be cases yeah. where it drives people insane and they stop playing at an early age, so it's a gamble. But, yeah. Well, it happened with... There was the other guy that got really hyped up and ended up going for the NFL. Oh, um, and then um, he... Tyrese Johnson-Fisher. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and in his video, he posted why he was quitting because of all the pressure on him. Yeah. He put a Reddit comment by friend of the pod, Adam Jenkins. Really? Yeah. He put, he had like five comments in there. One of them was from Adam. a friend of the podcast, Adam what, Jenkins. What, what yeah, did he Adam. say? Do you know? He just said something like, you know, these YouTube highlight players so rarely ever live up to, to what we see of them when they're dominant. The, the only one that's done it is Taniela Tupo. Yeah. He's the only player who's gone on to be sure. really good at international standards. Yeah. If there are more, please alert us. But I, I think that he's certainly the, the only one that stands out to me. I'm yeah. sure there must be another one somewhere, even if it's playing like the second tier or whatever. But There was a montage of Santiago Cordero that went around of him age mm. 17 playing in the Argentine League, just stepping right, everyone. Yeah, That's the, I'm sure there are ones like that out but there somewhere. But not, it's not quite the no, same thing. No, know. granted. It was a freakish talent playing was at a lower level than he would be. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, so this game, Georgia v. Romania, yes. it was a, for the two teams involved, it was a huge class. The two of them were looking at it as being, it was, this is their It was the, most, this was their the chance to win a game. game for both, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's worth me saying as well that, like, me saying that uh, this was proof that uh, rugby was so much worse in 2011, I don't mean that to say that, like, any other game in the Rugby World Cup is this bad, because this is by far <laughs> the worst game that we've watched. And, like, this is yeah. this is an anomaly in that sense. Anyway, that's that over with. Sorry, that's... Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, so this was the must-win game for both. And, obviously, Georgia had done well against Scotland. Obviously, they targeted that one as well. Turned that into a fairly shit game as well, to be fair. But mm. it is what it is. And Georgia had also been battered by England. Uh, Romania also wa- ran Scotland quite close. And they had fun against Argentina. Mm. And, again, England found them pretty easy beats to be honest and so this is Romania's final game of the tournament so yes. it's an extra incentive to to beat their their neighbor their neighbors relative to tier two rugby teams yeah however they were coming off a four-day turnaround again yeah which Marius Tinku was not happy about afterwards I don't know if you listened to it. I did, interview. I did. Yeah. I, well, I tried to, but the Georgian commentators talked over it. Just talked over the and whole thing, so I had to listen to it when, like three times. The, yeah. So they interviewed, uh, forgive me because I'm going to need to change his name, Ilya Zedginidze, uh, who was the, one of the Georgian second rows, who was clearly the mm. one player who spoke English on the team. So they interviewed right. him, the New Zealand pundits afterwards, and the Georgian pundits just he listened like to him. He had like a slight Scottish accent. Yeah, he, had, he was, he was that, very... Just it was him. odd. 
Yeah, like well, his accent kind of shifted around mm. between Eastern European Scottish and then a kind of like that. Yeah, so yeah, go on. no, but the, the Georgian commentators did just paused during him and let him speak, even though it was a different language, yeah. and just spoke over Marius Tinku. And like, at one point, towards the end of his interview, they say, oh, uh, Marius Tinku's talking. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of like look at him for a minute and then go back to it. So you've kind of got to really listen in, because it's not like they've muted the audio. No. You can hear Tinku speaking underneath. Yeah. And you've then got to kind of like zoom your ears in yeah. to try and hear it. So at one point, Tinku makes a little joke and... It's quite, it's quite nice. He has like quite a good, like, like dinner party host laugh <laughs> at his own joke. Matt, I'll tell you what, right? Marius Tinku is nowhere near as ugly as I remember him being. No, he has. He's sort of adorable. He's got a sweet enough face, hasn't he? He has, hasn't he? Because I, I think of him as being this like ugly little bastard who niggly front rower. Yeah, but actually, he's yeah, yeah, he he's got quite a sweet little face, think... and he's got quite. He looks like he's sort of like. <laughs> He's not handsome, but he sort of has like massive dad energy about him. I think when you this see him off may the be a contrary comment to some certain close friends of the podcast, but I think he's one of the better looking Romanian hookers I've seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if only there was some pundit out there that we didn't mention in that opening round now, who who could confirm, who knew anything about Romanian hookers, sure. uh, had maybe had maybe spent 10 grand on having drinks with them, because yeah. it was only drinks. Yeah. Because hey, we hey, don't know hey, what he spent the money on. some chicken wings with them. Yeah, we, we need to stress, when that pundit that we aren't naming went in and spent 10 grand in an establishment ran by Romanian hookers, yeah. we don't know what he spent the money on. No. Right? No. So... Could be anything. Could be could be drinks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Speaking of hookers, I think we should pick up on all three of the highlights from this game. Okay. So we have uh, the try. Uh, we have the successful kick at goal. I was going to say personally, and we have the sidestep. Personally, I was going to save back the try till about the at least the half hour mark into this podcast. Maybe no, forty five yeah. minutes. You know, well, the, before teasing the fact free... there's a try in this game. There's three good things, right? There's one try, there's one sidestep, and there's one time someone catches a high ball successfully. <laughs> okay, which of those do you want to start with? Should we start with the high balls? Okay, okay. Because <laughs> it's so about 34 seconds into the game, George, no, Romania hang up a high ball, and the Georgian winger, um, I believe it's Tondua, yeah. who is still playing, Tondua sprints on to cover it, and then just lets it bounce, just steps it's away. so bad. He, like he flinches when he sees it coming down. Yeah. And it set the tone because no one can catch. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're, this is like international level and you're just choosing This is the World Cup. The ball. Yeah. The literal World Cup. The first thing I have noted down is that two minutes in, we'd already experienced our second knock-on. Yeah. I know, no, no, okay. Do you want to know how, take a guess, how far in it is before someone successfully catches a high ball? Christ, uh, seven minutes in. Five minutes, 32. Right, wow. So you're not far off. And bear in mind, there's like five kicks by that point. Yeah, wow. But it, the whole game is teams either not taking high balls, you know, not even trying to catch them, just being off-positioned and letting them bounce, which is a cardinal sin in Tesseract. Yeah. Or it's them trying and just dropping them. Yeah. And I feel genuinely quite surprised whenever anyone does it. Like there's one point towards the end of the game where Dimitri Basilaya, the Romania, no, sorry, the Georgian number eight, just drops a high ball behind him. Yeah. Uh, and so he gets quite lucky, then passes it into his 10, who thumps it to Daniel Carpo, who's opposite number eight, who just knocks it on straight in front yeah. of him. Um, and that kind of felt a bit like the game in a sure. nutshell. As I say, I say, that's the first thing I've written down my notes. The second is five minutes in. Christ, I'm already bored. I know. I was bored a minute in. Yeah. It, it was just really dull. And there was a couple of penalties exchanged. Yeah. And like, it reached a point like, sometimes you get games like the Scotland-Argentina uh, game. I had like mm. three or four pages worth of notes. And I was just trying, like there was a couple of really significant things I was having to just not note down because I had too much to write. Here I've written down, Merab tries weird pirouette move. Like, who cares? Exactly. And they put Georgia are bad, then, oh my god, Tinku can't even throw straight. And you know it's bad when Tinku can't throw. And like, to be fair, I think he only did one lot straight throw. That was, that was the only mistake he made in this game, to be fair. He was trying mm. his best, but yeah. Oh, the, I think the first kind of big talking point thing that happens is there's a Romania get a penalty straight in front of the posts. 
And because in that first game, Chris Patterson cursed this pool forever, yeah. Dumbrava steps up to take it and shanks it wide. And Romania then, the camera crew cut to the bench. And there are the entire Romanian bench trying to hold in their anger. And it was my favourite moment of the game. Because all of them look furious, but are trying not to say anything because he's their teammate. And they're, they're trying not to be sick of his shit. He keeps yeah. missing these over and over again. And then at the end of the bench is who I presume is a Romanian team manager, who looks about 70 and has fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and they really cut bad. back to him in the second half, but he hasn't moved. So I think he might be dead. And that's what I've noticed down there's a point when Adivaji Tonjita makes this half break and offloads it to Dundon Bravo, who just drops it under no pressure because he just can't catch. Bear in mind, this is the same guy who, against England, got that intercept from Toby Flood and just did. Mm. He was really hoping he would drop it because, and we said this when we had Sav on, was just really hoping he'd drop it because he was that tired. And it's like, if you're knackered enough that you're dropping the ball under no pressure 10 minutes in on line breaks then it's not going well. Oh, there is one line break quite early on where Georgia have some numbers. Gorgodze makes a little bust and then offloads it to his his winger, um, to Gigar. I could never say this guy's name when you're playing fullback for Georgia. Gigari, thank you. Um, Because it's one of those names you look at and you think looks simple enough and then you kind of trip over to trying to say it out loud. And yeah, offloads to Gigari, who just runs into touch in trying to avoid the tackle. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have any awareness of where the touchline is. He's trying to swerve outside the guy. He doesn't realize he's gone over the touchline, and it's kind of telling of that's what this game yeah. is now. This, I worry that we've already gone through like fifty percent of the things that have happened in this game, and we've been talking about it for a couple of minutes. But yeah, I think the one thing that really infuriated me was that there's a point towards the end of the the first half when sure. Julian Dimitras, who we've spoken about mm-hmm. before. Massive boot on the lad. Yep. He sticks a ball in the air, and I think, wow, that's really good. That's a really perfectly placed bomb. And, you know, it's that point where, like, often you can have a really terrible game, and it just Hmm. takes one really good piece of skill to sort of pick it up and raise the spirits of one team, which will raise the spirits of the other team. And then it becomes a bit of a dogfight, which I was kind of hoping this game would turn into. Uh, Because, as I said, I remember it being quite boring, but I don't remember it being this bad. As I said, I think I enjoyed this less than Scotland-Georgia because... At least there was a novelty oh, yeah. to Scotland being shit in attack. And there was a novelty to it being a Tier 2 nation pushing yeah, a Tier 1 nation. Yeah, of course nation. there is. That's like, always going to be a You know, factor. you always want the Tier 2 nations to do well against the Tier 1 nations, don't you? So naturally, yeah. that's that's a thing. But like, I think there were more storylines going on sure. in that game and Argentina against England. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, anyway, uh, Dumitrash sticks his bomb in the air. And you think, oh yeah, it's, you know, that's, as I say, a good piece of skill. And it comes down perfectly for him, and he's in behind the Georgian line. And frankly, he's only got one man to beat, but he just drops it under no pressure. Yeah. Like, if he catches oh, that no. ball, he just has the Georgian fullback to beat. And, you know, I don't know if he has any support or anything, but frankly, I'd back him to at least make a decent break out of it or get an offload in yeah. or something, uh, even if he doesn't, they don't quite score a try out of it. And that's what makes he- it really frustrating. The other great knock-on that Dumitras makes, which is a great sentence to be saying, we're going, God, there's two really good knock-ons by this guy in this game. That's the level we've stooped to. But he, in the second half, Romania again have a bit of an overlap, and he's popping up as the penultimate man. You know, he's got to draw the last guy and give it on to the winger outside him. And then he just knocks it on. He just drops the ball in front of him, like cleanly drops it in that really simple just eye-on-the-ball under eight should be taking those passes. Yeah. Loses it in front of him. And and then the referee blows for the scrum, you know, like a moment later. Mm-hmm. And he turns and points like, oh, me? Was it, did I knock it on? Like yeah. he didn't know. Yeah. Like he, he wasn't aware. Like it's when, you know, you, you just brush a kick in the air or something. Sure. When you've got no idea. Like he didn't realise he just dropped the ball right in front of yeah. him. Like that's not the moment to try and play innocence. Yeah. And it's one of those where it's probably it would be unfair to say it was under no pressure whatsoever, but it was against a drift defence. So it's not like anybody was in, in his face. Yeah. Like it's not like he had any reason to start pulling his pants, you, you know. You say a drift defence, right? the Romanian defence, can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Because they it was a bit like a basketball defence, in that there's no contact allowed. <laughs> 
<laughs> basically, the Romanian defense would rush up on you. They'd get right up in your face, and instead of making the tackle and getting you to ground and you know killing the attack, they'd wait for you to make a decision. Yeah. So they get right up in your face, and then if you wanted to pass or kick or whatever, they'd let you make that decision, or if yeah. you want to crush it up, it's up to you, you know. But they wouldn't tackle you until you'd made your decision already, rather than dictating anything. Yeah, and that's the thing. From what you were saying before about mm. the novelty of Scotland Georgia being a tier one team versus a tier two team, and they were put in close or whatever. But like, yeah, it didn't have that because Georgia. This game was it felt one sided because Georgia were just very clearly the better team. But yeah. on more to the point, Romania were the worst team. Yes. Yeah. I have so much of it, though, is just the goal kicking. And I've talked a lot in the games on the episodes on the games in this pool about the goal kicking. Yeah. But it's bad again. Like, Romania keep missing shots at goal. And, like, I considered giving, and there's a few moments that contradict that, as we'll get on to. I considered giving Murab uh, Kokashvili man of the match just because. Mm. He kicked his goals. Like he actually, yeah. he actually managed to kick some. You know, Georgia had a seventy-eight percent kick success rate, which I think is probably the highest in this pool overall. Yeah. Whereas you know, Romania just kept missing shots at goal. Yeah. It's really it bad. was bad. Yeah. You know, it was. It was fifty percent. It was free missed, free, free. Tell you what, I'm so glad this pool is nearly done with. <laughs> I know we've got what two more games left. Yeah, because Georgia We're almost there after this. Against Argentina, where Argentina just do some fun stuff again. Yeah. Do do England have another game? England have Scotland. England have Scotland, of course. So, yeah, that's all we have left of this pool. And then kicks can start sailing through the posts. And you know what? Here's a, here's a point. Do you reckon uh, anybody in Romania might potentially be white-baiting at this point? I don't know. Do you do you think anyone might be up for it? Yeah. Do you think Mike Waringi's yeah. around white baiting somewhere? <laughs> no. No, don't mention his cursed name. Or Jody Rose. Um can you can you try and explain Mike Waringi for anyone listening? Mike Waringi, I don't know if this I assume that eventually we'll end up doing a series of this podcast on the 2015 Rugby World Cup in which mm. Romania had a fly half called Mike Waringi. Waringi uh, even who was a Kiwi. I have no idea how he qualified for Romania. I don't know what his connection was. But he was, firstly, incredibly slow. Yeah. Second, could he really kick? I'm not sure. I just don't get Mike Ruringi. He, he, he also just looked very strange. He looked very like... He looked like a middle-aged man who just accidentally walked onto a rugby field. Yeah, and it wasn't even like you see often for TT Nations, the ITM Cup standard players. Yeah. Who, you know, kind of travel across and end up playing in the. Like, Romania have a semi professional league. Yeah. So you often see players from Tonga and from wherever sure. move across, players who struggle to get to wherever. Uh, Mike Ringy, what didn't even play to that standard? Like, he no. didn't play professional rugby in New Zealand. He just somehow fell over, ended up in Romania. Uh, and found himself playing, playing in their league. Yeah, I'll add that the Romanian 2015 Rugby World Cup kit was really nice, and just yeah. he just didn't suit it whatsoever, which was just really <laughs> difficult to look yeah. at. Tell you what, right? There's an okay team out in his um, the team he plays for. Yeah, they have Ruaka from Fiji. You know, international. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, they have Ruanga. Yeah. yeah. T.C. Kisting of Namibia. Oh, yes, he's great. Yeah. I really like him. They've got an uncapped Tongan winger. They've got three Romanian international wingers as well. Uh, they've got Becca Bisadza. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got Mihai Diko, Romanian prop. Don't know who he is. They've got a couple of Georgians. I I quite like this team. Uh, I might pick them as my favourite team in the Romanian Yeah, league. yeah. We might have to do a draft of Romanian uh, league rugby later in this episode. Oh, um, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna. Oh, they won the league last year. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Sorry, I'm now just looking at the Romanian league rugby because it's more no, interesting. Than like this we game. have nothing, nothing um, better to do. We don't have any games lined up this week. You know what? Should we have another game of uh, Let's Go to the Mall? No, no, oh. no. I don't. I don't. I no. Sorry. Gutted. I'm scraping the barrel. Okay, I'm just going to start playing Snake on my phone for the rest of this episode. Fair enough. Should we see my point? We could talk about the game. See my point? Should we see if anything's on TV? Yeah, right. You know what? You know what? 
While we're here, just to, to pad this episode out a lot, have you watched any good films recently? Um, I can't believe I just sure, asked that I question. Watched... I can't believe I set him off. Uh, I watched Marie Antoinette last night, the Sophia How Coppola. Was it? Uh, it's good. It's good, yeah. So I think it's a really... I hadn't seen it before. Uh, I've, this, yeah. The last of Sophia Coppola's films I had to watch, uh, so I've now seen all of them. Uh, but it's a really good kind of unlikely meshing of filmmaker and like, historical figure. Okay. In that you wouldn't necessarily see Sophia Coppola as someone that would make a great historical drama. But actually it really fits with who Marie Antoinette was. And it's a slightly weird Americanized thing. But it's good. It's good. Hmm? Well, no, small act. all the small axes are very good. Stephen okay. Queen. They're all on the iPlayer now. I'd recommend those. Uh, trying to think of what else have I seen lately? Because I just got one of those PS5s, you know, so I've been heavy on oh, that. Yeah. But I am. my aim is to try and watch 500 films this year. I am currently at 432. So I have 68 more to go in a month, which is going to be quite hard going. That's... Um, I've left myself too much. Yeah, that's... I hate to break it to you, but that just ain't happening, bro. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was kind of. Wait, what did you say? I'm already past 400. You passed 400. 432, I'm on. Oh, you can make 450. Yeah, oh, easily, yeah. But does this mean but that I... over Christmas, like on Christmas Day and stuff, you just can spend a whole thing watching films because you'd be really, like, probably committed to this and you won't do anything else? Like, you probably, won't have yeah. Christmas dinner. You won't sleep because you'll be like, oh, no, I'll watch these films. The thing I'll is, have Christmas dinner, but you're watching Die Hard at the same time. What do you classify as a film? that's a big question does like um, you could watch I don't know uh, Charlie Bit My Finger and that's a film Charlie Bit My Finger does not count oh, no shit. but like okay like The Wrong Trousers would count I think okay we just watched The Wrong Trousers is a film like because it's a The Wrong Trousers even I though agree. it's short um, The Wrong Trousers is the greatest film ever made I it's one of those things right I, I hold the best film I've made is no uh, other than Crank uh, is Singing in the Rain but trousers. I won't argue. I won't argue with the wrong trousers. If uh, you suggest the wrong trousers, it's one of those we... films I've kind of go, all right, fair enough. Have we previously spoken about Wallace and Gromit on this podcast? I feel like we have. I think they've come up. I, f- I feel like they came up. For some reason, I think it was Italy against Australia like, we spoke about. I feel like really early on, I we talked about what position Wallace and Gromit would play. Yeah, I feel like we did. And we said, yeah, we said Gromit would be a fly half. And Wallace would I be like nine. a really I think clumsy nine. blindside or something like that. Wallace would be a fullback who knocks the ball on, occasionally scores a spectacular try. <laughs> Wallace would really play for Romania. <laughs> yes. He's the Romanian Thomas Ramos. Yes. <laughs> he he is to he is to Thomas Ramos what Mike Ringy was to Dan Carter. <laughs> I tell you, you just kind of indirectly compared Wallace to Dan Carter. In a rugby yeah, context, same person, yeah, same person. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, do you reckon? Because like, you know how young kids are taught to, uh, and you know, uh, this is the way that you teach somebody how to catch a rugby ball is by putting their targets mm. up and making that W shape sure. with your your hands. So Wallace does that thing where he puts his hands together and shakes them. <laughs> uh, Cheese, do you think, do you think yeah. that's actually a, a pretty good example of how to catch a rugby ball? Except you're actually no, extending your fingers. It's a terrible. That's why he didn't make it a professional standard. Do you reckon he ever played? No, he's clearly a cricket fan, isn't he? I'm pretty sure that's canon. Oh, I think it is, you know. Yeah. And besides, he's, you know, he's from Lancashire. He's a rugby league fan instead. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's got to be. Yeah. He's got to be. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, mm. I doubt he actually does have an interest in rugby league, but I wonder what he was no. like in PE in school, Wallace. Yeah, because he was probably skipping out of it in order to create these mad inventions that he could use to do PEs. Like, he'd invent, like, the Goalatronic 3000 <laughs> that would automatically kick the ball into the net, wouldn't he? You know what? I've just, I've just had this realisation. that how, how old do you reckon Wallace is at the start of the Wallace and Gromit franchise? 40. Yeah. So this means that, like, going by the average lifespan of a dog... Which I imagine Gromit had longer than. But that, yeah. I imagine this means, even if we say that, like, upper boundary, Gromit is quite an old dog or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That means that Wallace has probably lived at least, say, 30, 35 years without Gromit. What the hell did he do? <laughs> imagine! Do you think he had just, like, Gromit's dad? I hope he and had he just somebody through generation because, like, yeah. I, I really like Wallace. You know, he's an, a nice, well-meaning guy. Yeah, but he's fucking useless without Gromit. Like the amount of times he relies on his dog to drive him places because he can't do it himself. Do you think he adopted the chicken? Maybe, and that's why he had these flashbacks when he saw Favors McGraw. Oh, that and that he, he started to think. 
I know. So the greatest villain in all of history. All the listeners are currently, if we have any, but he's not tuned out by this sure. point. But to be honest, again, I'd much rather talk about Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers than Georgia <laughs> against Romania 2011. But everybody is now realising that this is the first time I've ever actually actively engaged in film discussion on this podcast <laughs> because we're talking about Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers, yeah. uh, which is the greatest film of all time. But Feathers McGraw is a shit cunt. Yes. Yeah. See, this is the kind of discussion you don't get on egg chasers. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine their takes on on Wallace and Gromit? They're, you know, I think when you stop giving Feathers McGraw such a hard time, all he did was try and steal the most precious diamond and drive Gromit out into the doghouse outside. I reckon when Stephen Jones first watched The Wrong Trousers. Uh, he probably said, oh, these chase scenes aren't uh, nearly as good as they used to be. Oh, I don't, I don't like them anymore. Oh, these trousers are very bad. Oh, no, it's, this is not a good film. These are all, this is all very bad. And I have loads of awards. I have your, your non-entity. You're blocked, you know? Yeah. No, I, I can just imagine him. Compl- <laughs> Stephen Jones would watch Wallace and Gromit with the wrong trousers. And he'd complain that the wrong trousers aren't very practical. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think what we should do is... Uh, we should all, much like the uh, the Chad Plato thing, we should all <laughs> get into Stephen Jones's mentions and ask him what he thinks of Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers. You see that, like, all of our listeners aren't already blocked by him. <laughs> I was thinking this. I'm not blocked I, by him. I'm not. Like, and I had a swing at him the other day and he just didn't respond. He didn't block me. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, I remember before you said when you once surpassed his follow account and thought, yes. right, so I'm going to, at the perfect opportunity... He's going to say something. I'm going to call him a non-entity and block him. That was that's always been my plan. Yeah, you know, when, when I ever took him, I, I uh, call him non-entity and block him. And where I've just told your own joke for you. Yeah. But... No, thank you, thank you for doing so. It saved me time. Yeah, and it stopped. And I had to tell again anyway about how many followers you have on Twitter. Six. Yeah. So yeah. So. But basically, oh, no, we'll... Feathers McGraw. <laughs> We're not getting back to the game. Don't you dare try to get back to the game. <laughs> Feathers McGraw is the greatest villain in the history of cinema. That yeah. evil chicken that's in the wrong trousers. Though, that said, I am now caught up in this idea of, like, what would Austin Healy make of Vez McGraw? He, <laughs> he'd, probably, he'd probably relate to him, wouldn't he? Yeah. That's true, actually. He's a small, little, yappy, annoying guy who yeah. kind of saw the bigger picture. Yeah. That's Austin Healy all over, isn't it? Yeah. Man, and I tell you what, for... Um... Oh, I don't want to reveal the big plot twist at the end of the wrong trousers when you know the bit where that he's takes, a penguin. Yeah, when it's him and he's a penguin. When him and the the penguin are the same person. Like oh, no one saw that coming. No, like every time it gets, I always forget. Like every time I watch it, which is a lot. Like as a child, yeah. it was a thing that if I was like you know asked to eat my tea, I'd be like, nope, I need to watch the wrong trousers first. <laughs> and you can vouch for this. I can vouch for that. Is that the Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah. And nobody's ever... I guarantee that there is no child who's doing... Who's like saying like, Oh, we eat sprouts. Like, no, I need to watch Georgia versus Romania 2011 first, you know? What if there is? <laughs> what if that kid is there, out there, and someday he grows up to Captain Georgia to a World Cup? I'm afraid I can't see it. No, neither can I, to be honest. No, I, th- I think they'd take... But I would listen game. to that kid's podcast. That's true. I mean... No, I wouldn't. <laughs> what if it's that game in particular? It's not I need to watch rugby of any yeah, kind. No, it's, it's this game specifically. Only this game. Yeah. Do you think... How many people do you think outside of Georgia have watched this game multiple times? I reckon we're probably the only people who have watched this game in the year 2020. I that wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. I, no, I think there's probably Georgians who watched it back. Because yeah, I it guess was, so. It was their first big World Cup win, you know? Yeah. Like, it was kind of... At the oh, time, it was probably the biggest win. They won by... So it's been exactly. the year for watching back old rugby games, but... Like, they won by 16 points, which is quite a margin for... Yeah, I guess so. You know, for their, against local rivals, who they were kind of, like, very up and down against leading into this game. And both teams went in wanting to win it, and it's kind of a comprehensive sure. margin. We're the only people in the UK to watch this back sure. this year. Uh, my... Okay, so, my favourite part of this game... Is that there's a point where you can see Gromit reading a newspaper, and uh, on the back of it it says "Dog reads newspaper" as like front page news. Uh, I just think that's a great bit of observational it's, satire. It's very funny. It's the, visual the, satire. The amount of just hidden little jokes are excellent. Yeah, I do 
I do love it. Within this game or whilst in Grab the Wrong Trousers? Within this game, yeah. yeah I love the bit in this game yeah. where Gokonze just absolutely smashes Pepper McGraw. <laughs> oh, I would pay to see that. He just completely bodies it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, we're about five minutes away from the 45 minute mark of recording this so if we could just pad until then then we can talk about the try yeah should we talk about the try should we talk about Gorgonzo's try yeah okay fine no we can fill for five minutes that's fine then we can call it Um, (laughs) so no actually there's a couple of bits there's a couple of bits before we go into the try right should we talk about I said there's three good things right we talked about the one time that someone caught a high ball oh yeah yeah should we talk about the one sidestep? Okay, I don't remember this. So, oh man, Jabo Braganza, Romania hooker, who has been going forever. Yeah. You know, he's still playing. He played against Ireland last weekend. Really good player, really good hooker, really hard-nosed, nuggety, typical Georgian hooker. Won his first cap in 2008. So, you know, yeah. was kind of, it had been around a couple of years at this point. Uh, pulls off a perfect sidestep. Someone rushes up on him, and he like leans one way, explodes off his left to go the other way. Someone else comes across, steps him as well, crashes over the game line. Spectacular. Great sidestep. Fair it's like play. watching Shane Williams, but fat balls and Eastern European. There's there's actually a second sidestep that happens, but unfortunately, it's Madeleine Lemnaru, who goes on to play in the next World Cup and is very good at mm. the next World Cup, but mm. he hadn't really got much opportunity in this World Cup. After the final whistle, does a really good sidestep yes. where he runs around somebody. And like I think that, I mean, I might be mistaken, but I think that's the first time he touched the ball in the whole game was after the final whistle. And he's really committed he looks to very frustrated. Yeah, running around somebody he has and a, then the whistle goes. And it's like, oh, yeah. It's the first burst of pace we see all game. Yeah. And it's after the game's finished. Yeah, because the referee's playing advantage for Romania but uh, for a knock-on. And Georgia ended up mm-hmm. kicking it far downfield and the referee just kind of thinks oh, no advantages are coming from there and so Lemnaro picks it up on his own try line and steps somebody and starts yeah. running thinking he's going to score and the final whistle goes thankfully but, yeah. but at the same time we could have had a highlight in this game True, but yeah no speaking of Breg Fadser I suppose in the lead up to the T-R-Y don't say it too loudly but he does. he has this nice little I guess what is relative to this game a break. Yes. He's put through, sort of through the defensive line uh, because he runs a really nice line. And the commenta- the Georgian commentators really wake up for the first time yeah. uh, when that happens. There's, they I, start screaming. I think it's the same people who commentate on the, the Georgia-England game where they were just bored mm. the whole way through. But yeah, no, they start really enjoying that. Who can blame them? Yeah, of course. Then, well, to be fair, it was, Georgia's, it was the most enjoyable Georgia match of this whole World Cup. For Scotland. For them, anyway, yeah. yeah. And this. But yeah, Brigvadza makes a second, I guess, kind of break from an offload. And I think he then finds a pass for Zerokashvili, who's running onto the ball. Mm. Georgia then have a very nice sort of calm phase of possession and get into the 22. And this is the only yeah. time, like, honestly, I could have told you from the moment Brigvadza ran that line on about halfway, like, this is going to be the passage of play that leads to the try, isn't it? Because the first yeah. time, it's the only time in the game where one team looks particularly threatening and looks like... Where they look if, composed. Yeah, it just looks like if they keep hold of the ball, they're going to go forward yeah. here. And like, they, they realised once they had a bit of momentum, like, oh, this is what we do, this is what we do. And everybody was on the same hymn sheet at that point. And I don't know why yeah. it didn't happen in the whole rest of the game for either team, frankly. There's another point shortly after this where uh, Georgia have about a five on two and Kavirakashvili kind of dummies goes himself makes quite a nice little half break mm. and they keep the pressure up and they yeah. play for 18 straight phases 
as you say, it's the only time one team remains composed yeah. and actually attacks with any purpose. Yeah. And it's one of these things, like, I, I get so bored of people saying, oh, just keep all the, keep all the ball. So, why are you kicking it all the time? But at the same time, it only took one good carry for them to get going forward, you know? Yeah. And there were a couple of other points in which Georgia got a few good carries and they'd knock it on or whatever. Um, so I get it's kind of damage limitation. But the moment they play with accuracy, the try comes and that is the thing that seals the game. Yeah. You know, they would have won anyway because of the, they were actually kicking their goals. But the try decides the match. Sure. And the, there's sort of two phases before the try. Mamuku Rugrodze mm. does this really good pick and go where he carries two Romanians with him. And that's what really sets the tone is he gets Romanian, no, he gets George. I keep confusing these teams. He gets <laughs> Georgia to within five meters of the Romanian line and sets up, I think, Basilia then has another shove for the line. And yeah. at that point, I think George just kind of panic and just go, well, Gagoza knows what he's doing. So if he fancies having another carry, and so they pass to him. And he just manages to isolate one Romanian defender and just carry him over the line with him with it, and score. One of the Romanians is told they're offside, just that they're about to tackle him. Yeah. And he kind of takes a moment to adjust in a, oh, sorry, I should step back. And everyone's like, no, I shouldn't. I'm already offside. I've already given away the penalty. I should make the tackle. By which point it's too late. Yeah. Because he's kind of got the, the, the go forward on him. Frankly, he's got the yeah, that guy him. certainly should have committed to that tackle. and just He probably yeah. wouldn't have been given a yellow card is the, the worst thing. But also, it's the it's exactly the the thing I was saying about the Romanian defense. They kind of walk up, they get in your face, and then they let you do whatever you like. Yeah. And in this case, Gogodze went, "I'm going to score." Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, no, Gogodze scores the try, and the commentators start to hurt my ears at that point because they get. They close. don't care about clipping levels, do they? Like they lose it, and the microphones cannot cope. Yeah. They microphones... do not know how to use their mics. No, they do not know how to avoid the levels. They've got, clearly not got a producer. He's off asleep yeah. in the back with a cigarette hanging on the floor. Yeah. You know, they've already dropped down and started a minor fire in the control room, so they can't adjust the levels. It's, it is, it hurts your ears, and you've got this kind of like interference coming back on the other yeah. side because they're just screaming so loud. So yeah, Gogodza scores that try, and Georgia end up going 19 points to 6 up. And you think, okay... This is, could be the start of something. Um, from the kickoff, Dimitri Basalaya, who, as you said, is the Georgian number eight, makes a bit of a, again, relative to the game, a break. Yeah. And does this nice little offload to Tedo Zibzibadza, who's playing centre. Uh, and again, you're thinking like, okay, this could be a start of some decent attacking patterns here. And just nothing else happens for the rest of the game. Well, you say that. You say that like the two, the, the three best moments of the game don't all come Right at the top. Okay, there, there's there's well, a couple of things I'm thinking of that you might be missing. So, there is one thing that is legitimately good, yeah, and it feels a bit like a reward. It comes in the 79th minute, the Georgian replacement prop. Yes. Um, Kakovin. <laughs> Kakovin, yes. I Decides, don't for the record. Nah, neither do I. Vasil Kakovin. 79th minute, right? He takes a nice offload and outpaces the entire Romanian backline. And he's got that kind of high knees looking behind him, trying to make sure no one's tacking. It's like a touch rugby break when you're kind of very aware yeah. that you don't want anyone to touch you. And he's kind of running, he, like someone tries to ankle tap and he kind of does like the Shane Williams on Blotty to Cure, he kind of yeah. step away from it. It's glorious and it feels like a reward for everyone who's persevered My, with this yeah. game. It's like you're getting a glorious prop break and then he sprints straight into the fullback and knocks it on. But My favourite part it, of that is the fact that, you know, that, that Tomas Ramos try from the weekend where yes. he steps through a load of people and then there's the point where he puts the ball back into two hands like he's going to pass and then the fullback sort of slows his feet down and he decides, you mm. know what, no, transfers it back into one hand and outpaces the fullback. I like yeah. how Kakovin on this break has that moment where he tries to do <laughs> yeah. that, puts it in two hands like, oh yeah, I'm going to pass. No, I'm going to take you on the on the outside for pace. And obviously he's really slow, so he doesn't do it. But I really like the novelty. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's quicker than the Romanian backline. To be fair, so are those wooden toy ducks you'd play with as a child. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's a it's a moment of utter, utter glory. Yeah. And it did. It felt like a reward for persevering and seeing yeah. this out to the end. Yeah. But at the death, you get something kind of cool. There's another kind of relative to this, again, cool moment, which is there's a point uh, after a scrum where mm. I believe Georgia are penalised at scrum time. But Maruko Gogodze has picked the ball up and started running off. 
uh, and after the referee's blown his whistle, Gagodzo's run off after he's blown the whistle oh, and yeah, loses yeah. the ball behind his back. Uh, but the ball bounced back onto his back. I keep saying the word back. Uh, he's running like Neil back. Hmm. No, but he's he's running and the, the ball's just kind of bobbling along his back and he's got his, his hands behind there trying to regather yeah. it constantly. And eventually he comes back up with it uh, and he juggles it like six or seven times on his back uh, and eventually comes up with the ball. And you just spend the whole thing really hoping he doesn't drop it. <laughs> But the the interesting thing about that is, I think he has it under control a few bubbles further out. Then he realizes what's going on. He realizes he's yeah. been called back, and he just keeps doing yeah. it as a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is that is Mukha Gugodze's sense of humor. Apparently, it for sure, is you know commitment to a bit, isn't it? The way that he I always on thought to do an extra few. I assumed Gugodze's sense of humor would be sending a boy who obviously can't eat a bear in one bite in <laughs> to try and eat a bear in one bite, <laughs> and then the moment the boy is pleasure. like. Exactly. The moment the child is is in the corner cowering, half dead, because they would walk in, flick the bear away, and then just eat him. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I had in mind. But juggling a ball on laugh. your back is yeah. That was the second funniest thing in the world to move. Go on, yeah. go on, say after almost death. dead children. Yeah. Yes. Um, however, speaking of death and funny, funny things, there's a moment in this game that made me properly howl. And I think, you know, we talked about the, the Russian non-yellow card uh, against Ireland, which was pretty spectacular. But Is it the point where Fenton McGraw starts jumping on the bed? Yeah. No, um, no, it's the it's the, the chase at the end of the, the, the train tracks. Oh, when, when Grant catches him in the bottle. Oh, it's yeah, so yeah. good. It's great, it's great. There was a great director's roundtable a few years ago, as they do near the Oscars each year, where they were each asked, like, if you could pick one, like, ten-minute sequence in the history of cinema to show to aliens, what would you pick as, like, the greatest sequence in the history of a film? Mate, I'd warn them and about Danny feathers. Boyle, Danny Boyle said the end of Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers. And I agree. Yeah. I, like, it's hard to argue with that. Did anyone say Kakovin's break at the end of George Romania 2011? Yeah, they did. Weirdly, yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, Jean-Luc Godard is really into that break. Huh. Didn't see that one coming. No. Yeah, he wanted more jump cuts in it, but otherwise. So the two moments, right? The two great moments towards the end. But my favourite, the one that made me utterly, utterly howl, is Romania Kick It Long, where Merab Kavurikashvili is covering, right? He's very used to the position. He played fullback in the previous World Cup. Coming. He played fullback in... The, in the, the following World Cup. Yeah. We played fullback either side of this, we played 10 in this World Cup for Georgia. Uh, and as I say, he was in contention for man of the match for me because he was a one person kicking his goals and, you know, he made a couple of nice breaks. He did, again, relative to this game. He was all right. He was solid enough. Sure. He could actually pass as well, which is weird. So he's covering and he goes to do a little chip over the top. He spots some space in behind, except the chip is so bad that he doesn't even get as far as the Romanian defence. And he does it when he's got about 10, 15 metres still to go before he's at the defensive yeah. line. So the chip barely hits his head's height. It then begins to drop just before he gets the Romanian defence. He obviously reaches out to try and regather it and knocks it on. Yeah. And it made me howl with laughter, that. Because it looked like a, the first moment of invention in the game. And it goes so badly, so in character with this match that he, he couldn't chip it as far as the defensive line, and instead he knocks it on and then gets smashed and knocks so it on again. So cringy. I just, yeah. He then, five minutes later, Georgia have a penalty advantage, <laughs> and he slots into the pocket to try for a drop goal, thinking, we'll take the free, we'll settle things down, we'll pull ahead, we'll pull ahead to, to, to 22-6. And, and, and he barely makes the 22-metre line. No, 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 it's worse than that. It's worse than that. He kicks it into touch. The drop goal goes so badly that it skewed. He stood to the left of the post, and the drop goal goes out over the left-hand touch line. Like it curves back. It doesn't go anywhere near. It flies away from the post towards, and then bounces out like five meters out from the try line, yeah. as though it's a great touch finder. But it's a drop goal attempt. Yeah, it's really bad. I don't think I've ever seen another drop goal attempt actually go into touch. Yeah. Like not dead, not dead, not over the dead ball line, into touch. So bad. But yeah, the, the last thing I want to talk about in this game is that 
Mm. Uh, obviously, after the good gods are tried, there's another couple of penalties, I guess. Oh, there's another penalty even. And Georgia yeah. are 22 6 up. And you remaining get a penalty on the Georgian 22. And they take the points to go 22 9 yeah. with 10 minutes to go. I just think that's a really. What an odd decision. It's a really stupid, unambitious, just dull decision. I really don't I like don't... it because it just shows that they're just going through the motions with this game and not trying to actually go out and do something creative and win the game, which is really annoying because you compare that to like the Scotland game where they, yeah. they look like a really ambitious team. And I said it at the time, that like the way that they mauled through the Scottish pack for that Lazar try was just yeah. so creative and so like ahead of time. And yet at I... this point, them taking that three points was just really dull. I wondered if Tinku just didn't know the score. I don't know. Because it felt quite even, the game yeah. as a whole. But actually, by that point, George had really pulled ahead because whereas they're having equal numbers of shots at goal, Romania were missing them and Georgia were nailing yeah. them. And so I don't know if he just didn't know that they were, what, 16 points yeah, behind? Yeah, I guess so. Well, they, it's a lot yeah. of penalties, isn't it? But... Yeah, 16, they were 16 points behind and they had 10 minutes to go. A try puts them back in kind of contention. Yeah. And it was a, it wasn't an easy shot at goal considering how bad their kicking had been as yeah. well. Obviously, he gets gets the kick, doesn't he? But yeah. it's still, as I say, it just it strikes me as really un- unambitious, and that's a shame. And for the record, it was good, well done uh, to the Romanian coaching staff for leaving Tinker one for the full game this time after yes. witnessing how Bogdan Suman played against England. Whereas Georgia do yes, Georgia do not do that, and they for some reason bingo Godze off yeah. with five minutes to go. I think and they we then know have to they endure have Argentina coming up next week. To be fair, sure, okay. But we then have to endure five whole minutes where the best thing about this game isn't on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, that's difficult. And there was a moment when I kind of looked up at the clock and I saw 78 minutes and I felt dread. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, there's two minutes to go. It felt like, oh, it's two whole got 120 more seconds of this, boys. Yeah. yeah. You know that thing where, like, we sat on the toilet and then no. one of the Sanula brothers comes out? No. <laughs> yeah. um, when you sat on the toilet... And you're kind of flicking through watching like little videos on Twitter or whatever. And there's like a like a 28 second video and you get 14 seconds in and you stop it because you can't be bothered to watch the rest because you're kind of sure. bored. It felt big time yeah. like that, but two whole like, minutes. You know, do you remember when Vine was a thing and yeah, they were all yeah. six seconds long and you'd watch them for a little bit. And then afterwards, any any video that's over 10 seconds feels like an eternity. God, I know, well, that, especially those ones. You know, there's these really stupid YouTube videos that cause something like Splodge yeah, Rugby. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah. that uh, important videos playlist on YouTube, which is brilliant for the record. But like, uh, are you aware of this? No, I don't. think No, so. oh, it's incredible. Just on YouTube, just search important videos, and it's great. Mm. There's just so many. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good bits on there. Um, but you reach a point in that playlist. Is there this game? Sadly not. And there's there's nothing oh. from the wrong trousers as far as I can remember on there. Oh. But uh, there's a point in that playlist where you're a couple of hours in and a video comes up that's like 30 seconds. You just think, I can't be bothered with this. It's too long. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of that vibe over the last two minutes. Should we move on to Man the Matching Deck of the Day? Let's. Let's do that. Yeah. Oh, man, we're almost done. Yeah. We're almost through this. Let's... I can't believe it. Man of the Matching Deck of God's Day. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, man of the match is Mamuka Godze. As I say, I think there's a word for there's a word for Merab for making a break and kicking a few goals, sure. which was ultimately the difference. I think Basilea has a weird game because he carries extremely well, but he also just knocks the ball on and keeps he can't pass. Yeah, and so on. Like he, yeah, poor, core skills, poor carrying, very good. And I think Brigadza has a good game. There's one point where Basilea drops the ball. And then he kicks it out of frustration. It goes miles. And it's like, mate, you could have done this in actual play. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Next time. But yeah, no, Gorgonzo does the nuts and bolts very well and scores a try. Yeah. So I just feel And like... carries really well. Yeah. You know, like the only times either team looked like scoring was when Gorgonzo started, you know, made a big carry yeah. when he'd get himself involved. So Muku Gorgonzo, like, way, way, way far and away. Man of the match, dude. I yeah. don't know what happened. What's happened to me? Why have I done this? Yeah, Muka Godze, unanimous two-way man of the match. And my dick of the day is time for being linear (laughs) and forcing me to watch this game as I did. My dick of the day is Maraguro Kashvili for that attempt to chip over the top, which was just really horrific. Um, I know. Yeah. And with that, we say La Revadere to Romania. Oh, hold on. Shit, hold on. Give me a minute. Okay. 
here we are. Welcome to the Romanian leaving party. I have just searched what is goodbye in Romanian on Google, and that's what's come up what with. It, uh, sorry, um, say it again. La Revedere. La Revedere. To Romania. Also a river in France. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, Romania obviously were very bad in this game, but I feel like... They've, yeah. they've been good enough fun during this World they've Cup. They've been good company, I think haven't they? More so than Georgia, frankly. Yeah. But yeah, no, they they were good in the Scotland game, you know, nearly caused an upset. And the, they played their part in a very entertaining game against Argentina. As I say, like, England yeah. took them to the cleaners a little bit. But, you know, they, they've been highlights for Romania. I feel like their best player was far and away Marius Tinku. And I don't really <laughs> think that's up for debate. But I think... Yeah. I think they've been more standout players for Romania than Georgia. Yeah, um, agreed. I think both of them had a big standout in Gogodze, but for Romania, Tinku. Yeah. He obviously was a captain this time. Gogodze will be the captain by next time. Um, yeah, Marius Tinku, far and away, far and away their best player. Yeah. I thought both second rows were very solid, mm. consistently. Uh, Christian Petra and then Yurashi uh, as well. Osashi, uh, yeah. Maka- Osashi goes yeah, on to become outstanding at the 2015 World Cup as well. Yeah. As does Mihai Makabe, yeah. who is solid enough here. Yeah. And Asashi uh, ended up having a good career with, I think it's Oyana he ended up signing for and had a right. really good like career and play, played some good rugby in Europe as well. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, yeah, McAvey and Carpo, I think, was good. And Carpo, I think, great. As, yeah. If I were to pick a next best player aside from Tinku, frankly, it'd be Mihir Lazar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say that as well, actually, when you were talking about this game gone. Um, the other players, I think, had good games with the two remaining props. Yeah. I think Lazar and Ion had good games. And yeah. they they had that kind of thing that people keep talking about how great George's scrum is yeah. and how they've dominated it. Really, they only dominated in 2015 when they had Zavadjo Kashvili, yeah. um, who was at the time the best tight end in the world by a margin. Yeah. Um, and they then, you know, 2019 last year, they got dominated in the scrum by Fiji. And here they were being, at one point, actually shoved off the ball by Romania. Yeah. Romania had the edge in the scrum. Yeah. Um, made very difficult. And Georgia have yeah. consistently had a solid scrum, but they haven't been dominant at all by no. any stretch. they kind of whole history. Just because they're big lads and they've got, they produce so many props that you kind of mix that up with producing yeah. a handful of really world-class props. Yeah, for sure. Which is more what you need to yeah. win a World Cup, you know? It's like how Wales have always produced really solid scrum halves. Yeah. And so there'll always be like 40 Welsh scrum halves playing... Test rugby, whereas you, and then the national team will struggle to have one they can pick, yeah, or second choice. Um, the other, I mean, we've only picked out forwards there, but if mm. I was to pick one back that I think has been quite fun, it's been Julian Dimitrash, I think is a good novelty, yeah. Whether Dimitrash or not he actually fun. played well, um, he was fun for just having was... a massive boot. Not as good as I'd kind of as he was in my mind, yeah, you know. It, my nostalgia for him having an enormous boot kind of clouded how meh he was yeah. and how the fact that he clearly kept boots on his hands as well. Sure. And yeah. he couldn't really catch. Yeah. No, he couldn't catch and at it, all. But It was one of those things you'd occasionally see clips of him, and especially when I was you know, like, what was I, 16 watching this World Cup. Yeah. And you kind of go, he's got an enormous boot. Why isn't some club in France or England sure. signing him? And then you kind of, watching him back here, it's like, no, that's why. Because yeah. his core skills are not great. Um, don't stop the music. Why? <laughs> Fair enough. Because I was about to see if we have a dick at the tournament. Who who should touch our bum? This is life. What? It's the Cheeky Girls, isn't it? It's um, his most famous musical exports. The Cheeky Girls. Um, yeah, do you, do you have a dick at the tournament? It's hard to see beyond Bob down soon, it isn't is. it? I was about to say the same. I, I feel from a bit, but... Yeah. Bogdan Suman. <laughs> the cheeky girls would ask him to touch their bum, this is life, and then he'd just miss it completely. He'd like he'd touch their shoulder instead or something. Great name, though, he has. I think Bogdan Suman great has, to, has to get the dick of the tournament for Romania. And let me tell you, they threw up some contenders in this last game. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. I think... Uh, is that as more or less done? Do you reckon? Pretty uh, much, I guess. I don't know if I've got anything else to say about well, about Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'd like to just to as a way of saying thanks to anybody who's listened this far, I would just like to maybe read out a review <laughs> or two. Put a prop break in. Um, yeah. Because right. okay. you know, a few people have left nice reviews. I just think it would be sure. nice to you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, to do it and to make us feel better after having talked about this game for a while. 
So there is a really nice review from JPCA uh, where he's put brilliance mm-hmm. five stars. Oh, and said, that's nice. Uh, great mixture of contextual humour with genuine commentary in the review of thoughts at the time and compare it to how it's played today. Beat rugby podcast, which I presume means best, but... Or maybe we just beat... You know how the egg chasers handle is at rugby podcast? Yeah. Maybe we just beat them like an egg I th- I think and then do. serve them in an omelette. Yeah. Yeah, like an egg chaser. Or we we remix them and make some sick beats out of it. We should we should do that. We yeah. should find the points that are listenable in their podcast. Maybe, maybe Jay listens and... on Beats by Dre. I, I hope so. I hope so. Sorry, I've mentioned them quite a lot today, haven't I? Yeah. We avoided mentioning them at the start, and then I've just... I've who just said that's who I was on about? Oh, I mean, whichever irrelevant rugby podcaster <laughs> just serves hot takes for no one's gain. Like, I, I, I had this thought yesterday, right? <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say this out loud. Uh, we're this far into the podcast, but who cares? If the Egg Chasers was around in 2004, they'd have done a full episode saying everyone needs to stop giving Mark Session such a hard time. I've just, for the sake of balance, yeah, I want to read out, you know, a negative review yeah. uh, for the balance. Because, you know, I've just read out sure. a really nice positive sure. one. Unsubscribe. There are better pods out there. One star. Okay. You'll really Fair enjoy enough. this if you're a white upper middle class conservative. <laughs> That okay. review, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Uh, I've just made a mistake. That review was actually on the egg chasers, not us. Never mind. Oh right, okay. Yeah, that's, oh, okay. that's the most recent review on the egg chasers <laughs> from Mark Session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank you, Jay, for uh, that review thank on you. our um, podcast, saying that we have genuinely decent analysis. Apparently, um, that's good. Genuine Walton and Gromit. Yeah, yeah. sure. And contextual humour. Humour is a strong word, Jay. But much no, thank you, thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. And, no, yeah, much appreciate I think it. that comparing Rugby Room Twenty Eleven to how it's played today is something that we find very interesting, and it's good to know that that's translated to listeners, and that they're not sick of us. Oh, they might be by now, to be fair, given how this episode started. But yeah, yeah. there's there's one more. I read. Yeah, one more out. Um, mm-hmm. Prof. Pro, Yoffles, I think that's pronounced. Nice, Prof Yoffles. Yeah, spelt like waffles, but with a Y. Nice. Says, awesome. For a podcast about Thai cinema, they talk about rugby a lot. Five stars. <laughs> I honestly don't think we've talked about Thai cinema enough. No, I don't think so. I I feel like we need to move ourselves out of that category on iTunes. just very glad that we've spoken at length about Wallace and Gromit now, so... Yes, yeah, we have covered the important topics. <laughs> Good to we've relax those demons. the two most important films of all time. Which are, of course, Uncle Boomy, who can call his past lives, and Walter Gone with the Wrong Trousers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Uh, we've read out one positive review, one negative... Re- no, two positive reviews, one negative review, even if they weren't all on our podcast. <laughs> have you anything to add? I don't. I don't think so. No. I think we covered everything I possibly could have written in my notes about this game. I'm very glad it's over. Me too. And we will see you next time when the game is actually, it's a good game of rugby. As I recall anyway, you know, who knows? Who, who can remember? Uh, South Africa against Samoa. And the best thing is there's plenty more outside of that game to dive into because that inspired some back chat. It sure did. Yeah. So, so we'll see you there, I suppose. And yeah. in the meantime, we'll try and gather up Stephen Jones's thoughts on Wallace and Gromit the Wrong Trousers. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone as ever who made Child Plato sign for Zebra. Yeah. And we'll, I think his Wikipedia page still says that as well. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and we'll see you next time for more Wallace and Gromit. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 